Hello, I'm Aidan Gallagher. I'm Peter Reeves. Welcome to API, our integration podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to set the world to rights on various topics in the world of enterprise integration, and it scratches our collective itches as engineers who just want to uh, rant about enterprise IT over a cup of coffee. Or tea. Hello, Peter. Hello, Aidan. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, it was thundering and lightning about five minutes ago, so the world just got uh, a lot darker and and more miserable. <laughs> I had lots of thunder and lightning uh, and rain yesterday. I park my car on the road outside my house. Like the only place I can reliably get a space is um, next to like someone's garden, and they've got a big sort of well, not a big. They've got a, a medium-sized sort of like cherry blossom type tree in it and this ridiculous amount of torrential rain has basically smashed all the cherry blossom and now my car is covered in ridiculous amount of like tiny pink petals that are probably all like stuck onto the paintwork and everyone thinks it's a feature like just petals and crap petals and crap which is our lovely segue into our discussion today uh site reliability engineers and site reliability engineering, engineering. yeah what is it it's just operations isn't it yeah it's it's sexy operations isn't it in the same way that like devops and developers and scrum agile developers they're, they're just sexy coders sexy programmers i think there's more might be one of the one times where i think the hype actually makes sense <laughs> i think the hype around an sre that's site reliability engineering is um i think it makes sense i think as we talk today i'm hoping we just go up yeah brilliant we're all going to be site reliability engineers now we've done our usual aiden and peter definitions do you want to do you want to go first no i would like to i'd like us to give a caveat before we do definitions which is we're coming at this from what we're probably going to describe as the traditional it landscape which was of course when last year you know you know how last year was like 1989 yeah the traditional it landscape were was that there there is a there's a development team and there's an operations team and the development team writes the code and gives it to the operations team and the operation team operations team deploys the code and is responsible for it in production so that's the the caveat is when we're talking about traditional operations or traditional IT that's what we're talking about we're talking about the highly segregated teams who pass on to each other um none of this fancy new world etsy we're going to have the developers in the and the operations all in the same team and we're going to manage one application everywhere perfectly yeah yeah the years 1989 um people read funny did do did, did they have internet web comics in 1989 yeah people read funny comics about how no oh, those 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 wily developers are giving me such terrible things to deploy it's a good thing that i'm an I'm a Unix wizard because everyone did Unix in the 1980s, didn't they? That's all they had. Let's do some definitions. Come on. We're doing a great job at alienating uh, potential uh, listeners everyone. here. So with that, with the operations, what we're going to talk about operations is traditional operations, which is segregated team mm. who are in charge of production and maybe pre-prod but mostly production. My definition was um, an SRE is somebody who applies software solutions to traditional IT or operations tasks to provide scalable and robust systems. Lovely. My, I suppose, definition is about site reliability engineering, site reliability engineers. It's it's operations who are 
I would say, empowered and focused on resilience and scaling, often by using automation type behaviours. Yeah, that, shall we start with what we perceive to be a traditional operations role? What we'd see those operations tasks being normally? Yeah, go on. An operations team would likely normally be aware of code as it's been developed, mm-hmm. take software code from development through to production, and uh, they're probably not that fussed about all of the steps between development and test and how developers are constantly changing that original code. It's only when it gets into maybe UAT or pre-prod that they start to take an interest and they're like, okay, what is this change coming through? When is it going to hit production? And they would be in charge of making sure that it's gone through the quality gates and they're checking that the software code has passed enough test to take into pre-production and then into production. So they're relatively certain that production isn't going to explode. Okay. That's task one. <laughs> then they're probably providing 24-7 support to production systems on a sort of rotor. As product changes come through, so fixes are made, or uh, I don't know if there's an upgrade, they're going to check all of the different stuff within there and determine whether they accept the risk. Are we going to accept this product upgrade uh, or not? So they'll be having a feed day, field day with kubernetes upgrades mm-hmm. they are monitoring the systems they're going to find issues or they're going to get reported issues by customers and and um, users and they'll raise those as defects with uh, the development team and they'll make sure that those issues are actioned and taken through the route to life you, you highlighted them sort of receiving issues from various people would you say that an operations person does does a little bit of sort of first line support yes i think so i think even if they're not directly communicating with with the with the customer or the the end user what they might what they're probably doing is being the first person to get informed of that issue and they're probably the front line of of interfacing with the systems and the monitoring tools to say what's the issue where is it identifying where it is and then finding the right people to to sort of raise an issue raise a, a bug with i was a little bit skeptical when you started going around the sort of like regression testing stuff I think there was, a, there was a bit where you were saying uh, that the operations team would be driving regression tests, and I wasn't, I wasn't totally sure about that. No, not driving regression tests. It was, they, they'd have the, the issue number and the team it's with, and it's just a, what's the progress on this? What's the progress on this? What's the progress on this? When's the fix come in? Etc. Okay, all right. So how much interaction would you say that traditional ops would have with traditional development? I would say that it's typically just as things are coming into the system, maybe not that, maybe not details of what's coming into the system, just has it been tested, which parts, which elements might it affect? So maybe not the details. It's probably more like, is it the, is it the web interface? Is it the login experience? Which part is going to be affected? And where might I find, where, where are we likely to see issues um, when this change goes through? So that's summarised sort of what might, what we might think of as traditional operations. And then, okay, what would we say was SRE on top of that or different to that? I suppose the question is, what has changed that has made, why why are we seeing evolution in the way that operations has worked in the past? And how, how has 
how has the role of the SRE become? Mm. What 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 was the what was the driver behind um, needing an SRE? We've discussed that SRE is is generally around uh, sort of focusing on resilience and scaling and scalable systems. Would you say that it's it's down to kind of DevOps behaviors and the fact that everything is automated now? So it's it's like um, it's like it's like a prime piece of thing that can be done. Or would you say that it's to do, to do with the, the rise of kind of cloud computing and cloud environments and the fact that uh, very often now you, you've still got infrastructure, you've still got to manage it. However, your infrastructure is entirely driven through service interfaces. So you're able to do that task. Or is it just simply down to the fact that there's more and more responsibility on, on having uptime, on having robust systems so this whole culture and skill set has, has evolved i think you've made lots of in multiple interesting points there that i think the rise of devops has made everyone think okay the job i'm doing is it automatable do i do i need to be doing something that's repeatable it's the old sort of adages am i going to do this more than once yes automate it or script it you know script it would have said so you'd have made a bash script for example yeah. and the rise of devops tooling has made it so much more mm-hmm. simpler to actually build these. So you might build an Ansible script in, in, a, in a day, a Jenkins script, if you know how to do that. And I think there has been a understanding that there are a lot of operations tasks that could be automated. And that what we're seeing is that there might not have been all of the development skills that you might have needed to create those automations. And that that mm-hmm. has been formalized, that, 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 that there's been an opening saying, okay, well, we need to be able to automate, but we need the skills and the team to perform that. But it's still an operations task. It's still something that we want to keep within our operations mindset. I think it's important to remember that sort of site reliability engineers and, and engineering, it's still operations. Um, I've seen it described as people kind of half doing traditional operations tasks, things like yeah, making sure that software goes through and that changes are going through. And then half working towards sort of people said automation or automating everything, doing what we might be what we might consider these kind of DevOps mindset behaviors of yeah automation as as much of the tasks and investing in your platform to to a to a to a zealous extent to to make a richer and more robust system that you have. Yeah, and I, but I think it's important to say that it's not just automating everything. It's automating everything that it makes sense to automate. So say you're making Selenium scripts for um, user interface. Well, you might not want to automate that because the look and feel of how a site works and how you click on things, that's something that you might be only, well, you can only get from user, user experience. So an operations member might perform that task, for example, say, okay, well, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel quite right. So some elements I think you can't automate, but it's, it's being able to identify and automate. But the driver is the need for that and the need for those skills mm. in the team which which is yeah so the, the sre you needs to be able to um create those scripts create the automation um and, and, and make that element of it of it work but i think the other thing that you said was really interesting as well because moving to cloud what we've seen more yeah. of is container-based systems and it's not just services being more available through like apis for example to to build deploy um so some of the products we work with now have extensive rest apis to be able to build them and add new features and add users Mm. it's not just that it's also the container management system underneath 
and there is now becoming an expectation that whatever you've built is able to bring itself back. So a bit like the chaos engineering that we were talking about before, uh, there's an expectation now that things can bring themselves back. And I think the SRE's role is to look at the existing reliability of certain features and seeing, okay, is there a way that we can make sure that it always comes back to a known state and that it's it reliably does that probably we'll use automation to help achieve that or um, we'll identify what how automation of specific tasks can help achieve elements of of, of, a, of a bigger picture so um, if you find a bug you might use automation for specific parts like identifying a bug might be there or mm-hmm. raising a ticket for example so it, it, it's that side as well yeah, people love sort of declarative config and and control loops. I feel like those have been my favourite things in, I'm going to say in IT, and it's been, they've been around for like 15 years probably or something like that, and I've just never noticed them. But yeah, I think you're spot on when when you when you were hinting at the idea of, of, of basically configuration as code and, and things similar to that, and and trying to bring a system back to a known state in order to be able to make that system as a known state. If I if I write in a config file, my my super business application is going to be deployed in uh, three different clouds. Go. That is the all of the stuff between there and the actual running config. You would describe as site reliability engineering. Yeah. So last week when we were talking about chaos engineering, we said we've got automated processes that te- that tear things down and rebuild them, and that's how we know the process works. And I suppose an SRE is looking at similar to that, but from a human point of view. So it's saying what tasks are taking up the operations time away from things that have to be done by humans. So some of the debug uh, features that they have that operations have to do and it's performing that thought process behind what's causing the systems to go down when that goes down how can we quickly get it back to a, a point where um, either the relevant people know about it or a, a potential change or, or a bit of code that might have caused the issue can get rolled back easily how does how do operations make sure that the process of routes alive and deployments and keeping production active I think they're doing sort of a chaos engineering role, but from a human point of view and from the process and the thought side of, of that rather than, you know, just killing processes or or deleting things, for example. I still feel as though those kind of processes that we discuss are the kind of automate all the things type tasks which SRE should be doing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's also the people element behind it, isn't there? So uh, yeah, it's not just about automation. So we're discussing how SRE is just DevOps, isn't it? But it's it's not just DevOps. There's there's extra stuff within that, which it's not just turning everything into automation and it's not just making a pipeline for everything that a a current operations person does. It's like you were saying a a moment ago about the shift left of responsibilities. If we take, for example, companies that have developers who are actively involved in and the productionization of their own code the idea being that anything you put into production you've got to support therefore you're going to make sure that it, it's that the content's good and that it passes all the relevant tests and all the tests that you'd, you'd want to run a, a, are there so that you because yeah. you'd have confidence as a developer knowing that you've got to support it in production and i think site reliability engineer roles are sort of a bridge between the different existing teams in a traditional it system I see an SRE as somebody who communicates often with developers and sees what changes are coming in and how we how you can identify um, potential risks early. Mm-hmm. They are potentially people who 
are talking to testers to see how to make that process easier and to catch more issues early. Reliability engineer will look at, okay, what should we automate? What should we put additional processes in? Yeah, I think, that, I think that's right. I do think that SRE has to be having more of that conversation with developers and test teams and constantly feeding back information to development teams, to test teams. Yeah, they do play a human role. I, ha- I have a question which I'm not sure I want to ask. Why wouldn't all of your operations people be site reliability engineers? Because it sounds as though, the, the way we're describing it is almost as though we're describing SRE as like the uh, like like the shock troops of operations, they're they're the guys with the with the big picture with the with the kind of developer mindset who are willing to, they're they're willing to enhance and invest effort into the to the running platform so that it is easier to use and more resilient. Why wouldn't your operations people be doing that anyway? To be honest, I don't. I don't know whether there is a good answer for this because I. I also think of the same way whenever people say, "Oh, all these great DevOps processes around, around continuous integration and continuous delivery, blah blah blah." And I just think, yeah, but shouldn't your developers be doing that anyway? I think operations have done manual versions of that in the past, and operation and and developers potentially only ha- only see a, a small section of an overall solution so i'm thinking of of systems i've been in where there's been you know maybe 10 disparate uh, teams who have made up an Mm -hmm. entire solution but they rarely interact with each other for example so yes each of the developers might be responsible for their individual bits but actually the more the more the more the integration comes together and each of the systems starts to um become dependent on each other or not dependent but coexist I think at that point you need to take, be able to take a holistic view and generally there's probably not enough developers um, developers, testers and, and actually they need to be focused on their specific part of a, you know, their database, their web application, their services. You know, there's, there's, there's always improvements that can happen in those areas. Looking at it holistically and from, from an overall view, that's where operations come in. And I think operations generally have performed those but historically it's not been as easy or as risk averse to automate these these systems or as glamorous or as glamorous and actually um it takes a lot of people to do a 24 7 support rotor something like eight people yeah. like eight people needed minimum to offer 24 7 mm. support and that's just handling issues that come up as they come up if that's just defect management mm-hmm. then potentially this is a secondary role that comes forward as you get that process going and as more tools come in and you've got more um, automation happening and um, a greater visibility of what's happening down downstream, say with the developers or the testers or security even, you might end up seeing everybody becoming a site reliability engineer. And there is a minimum number of people you need to provide their full attention for the full time. So it's potentially just that there isn't enough hours in the day to provide that level of service and do these additional tasks which are going to make your own life easier <laughs> i feel that a part of a part of sre that we haven't really talked about yet is i feel that you can't you have to constantly be anticipating a failure i don't know if that's again going back to chaos engineering so i suppose that what we're saying is that um the operations team is a core team which potentially will stay anyway because yeah. you've always got to have somebody keeping an eye on everything and that has a minimum number of people that you need 
they can't all be also be doing site reliability engineering unless it's not necessarily the same skills okay 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 but i have seen examples of where People have kind of done, yeah, this sort of half and half, SRE shebang, half and half, the on-call, non-glamorous operations, changes, defects, blah, blah, blah. I, 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 th- I think I do. I think I'm doing a little bit of, a little bit of uh, devil's advocate by saying, well, why couldn't all operations do SRE? But I, and, and I think there is, I think it is a skill set because it, it is that developer mindset, that scripting mindset. And, and maybe that, would you say maybe an architectural mindset when it comes to anticipation of failure and anticipation of scaling requirements? Yeah, potentially. And it's also that sort of edge case probing. So it's potential, it's potential that you've got, that all of your operations staff are also able to perform the SRE role. Maybe it's that you, uh, you switch out, you're an SRE for a certain period of time. Or it's that all of your operations are SREs. And actually, they're all performing that role at the same time. And some of it's going to be skills, I think. Uh, the organization culture or the number of issues that you have. Is it a new system against a, an old system? Is it legacy with loads of issues already that you need to fix? Or is it a um, or is it a new system? And actually, you can spend loads of time up front whilst you're waiting for the code to come through. Does that, does that make sense? Yes, I think so. However, I feel that we've we've kind of advertised and discussed a role which requires organizations to have to be very forward thinking i feel that sre is is a very proactive role a very proactive task the um the the automation so you can grow so you can scale going back to anticipating failure um these these are all really good things to do these are all really core parts of um, of all these good methodologies, these modern methodologies, your DevOps, your scripting, all that, blah, 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 your, your configures code, that kind of thing. They're all very, they're all very proactive tasks, I feel. And I, I always think about it, again, this is me doing devil's advocate in my head. I always think of it as about some sort of like lagging IT company having to justify, well, why do we need to, why do we need to do this? We can just continue being reactive forever. Yeah, and I think reactive uh, sort of could it could work, and it obviously does work. There are there are there are hundreds, if not thousands, of systems that that currently run reactively. But it's then difficult to run to reduce costs on your operations team. Uh, you're more likely to hit sort of maybe maybe a regular a regulatory issue, um, potentially opening yourself up for for fines or losing customers or reducing your reputation or your reputation amongst your existing customers and losing losing customers based on that um so all of those sort of business values the business drivers behind why we do it i think they are improved by implementing an sre and site reliability and it also you know on a on a people perspective it potentially makes life easier a bit more like that okay there's really added value here i'm doing something to um, make the system better rather than just fixing things that are going wrong all the time so i, I think um psychologically it has a has a benefit on people who are actually looking after those systems so i think there are benefits but like with everything that we talk about there's no reason you can't carry on doing it the old way there's there's no reason not to just have um you know 24 7 on a on a legacy system and saying well it's run for 10 years already why do i need sres and you potentially don't potentially don't or potentially your ops team is already doing sre behaviors and it's just not clear 
it's it's not it's not as though you need to have you don't need to have the words site reliability engineer in your job title to to do SRE type no. practices in your role. It's more that as we said, it's become very clear and crystallised and defined uh, in in like the last however many years. So whereas you might have been doing this already, it's now kind of become like a very defined sort of culture and sort of set of skills, set of practices, yeah. Yeah, and it's been enabled by the additional tools that have come through. So it's much easier to monitor systems and there's a lot of a lot of sort of login systems are out of the box. They'll use they'll use the same standards, they'll maybe all export to to a centralized login system, which means you're not hopping across different systems. So I think it's all become easier. There's more tools to do it with and the opportunity has arisen that all of these provide both benefits to employees doing the job but also to the business values as well. Yeah. But it's not necessary. You don't have to use it if you don't want to because the chances are your system would... You'd make it work no matter what. As with everything, organisations make things work but this is just better. <laughs> yeah. You'll, you'll fumble through it but, but, but this is cool. <laughs> yeah. So to summarise the SRE role... It takes elements of the traditional operations, but it looks to uh, automate where possible. Um, An SRE isn't DevOps, but it is trying to automate where possible to make uh, life easier and allow focus on specific tasks that are going like uh, debugging, etc. It's bringing together the different different elements of the entire system. So software testers, security teams, and it's about ensuring that the process from development right the way through to production is catching issues as early as possible is about communication knowledge and and the sre's role is to look at that in its entirety and to really look at it like you said from an architectural point of view and say okay this is how this is all gonna bind together i would say that what's written on the tin is still focus and provide focusing and providing resiliency and scaling by way of actively trying to reduce failure by way of all the good stuff that you described, working with dev and test and security, uh, going through things in the nitty gritty, anticipating the, the issues that are going to come up in the organisation or in the software development lifecycle, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's also the looking at things analytically to do, I suppose, edge case probing of what are the issues, maybe running incident drills, mm-hmm. so being a bit more proactive rather than reactive, as, as you said. So it's it's educate probing or um human chaos engineering you could call it <laughs> yeah yeah go on we could call it that human or manual chaos engineering I feel, I feel like human chaos engineering involves killing humans to see what happens to your organization like the bus factor no. um you know you know the bus factor i do not a project has a bus factor and like a bus factor of one means that if one person was hit by a bus the project would stop running right okay so it's like your super developer um your rockstar developer yeah. type yeah okay yeah if if the only go- if if the one person that's wrote all the ci scripts and is the only person that understands them if he gets hit by a bus or she gets hit by a bus suddenly no one knows how to deploy anymore yeah, so that's the, um, that's the sort of scenario that you'd expect to see an SRE running is is okay. What if we were to lose this element of of the of the team? What if we couldn't get the team into work and we'd have we'd all have to work from home? Could we yeah. support that? Could we, you know, that sort of thing? And I always thought that you could do you could do human chaos engineering by just randomly randomly emailing someone and say you you take the next seventy two hours off. 
That is good. So I, I'm for that. Turn, turn off, turn off your phone. Turn off your laptop, and and you've and and then you've got and then you find out quite quickly. Could the project cope without you, <laughs> or does it all fall apart? But, Bags are going first. Yeah. <laughs> and I sometimes wonder how you prevent that, and I think people intentionally don't, because the effort the effort of making it so that someone could always pick up someone else's project work. Isn't, isn't worth it. No. Yes, this goes back to what... Uh, this is coming up more and more. What is the cost-to-value ratio? Right. So, we've we've given a brief overview of what an SRE is, what how it differs from traditional operations or traditional IT. And then we've, I suppose, explored why an SRE is important and what the drivers behind the creation of this role. And is it different from the existing roles, the roles that exist currently? Um, there's probably lots of different stuff we can go into about like AI ops and, and, and all all of the stuff. But yeah, I think that's all we've got time for today. Any final thoughts, Peter? No. Yeah, I think I think you've covered it. I did have a final thought when I started that sentence, but the final thought's gone. Not only was it final, it no, was nothing further. It was finite. Nothing further. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think mine would be their role is to make life as boring as possible. <laughs> my my takeaway would be um you don't have to have SRE in your job title to do a little bit of it. So I imagine that there are operations people who are doing bits and pieces of this already, in which case keep doing what you're doing. In the same way that there's probably developers doing lots of sexy DevOps types of things before their or before their organization has issued an edict to do DevOps. Yeah, and you're right. And actually, um, I imagine lots of operations people who are currently um, in operations and looking at SR and site reliability engineering now and thinking, oh, I've been doing that for years. Yeah. Not just doing that for years, probably doing it with tools that were a little bit harder to use, uh, maybe a bit more resistance, mm. a lot, lot more isolation of teams, so less communication. Yeah, so I, I like, I think what our point here is that this has only been possible because of the, yeah, how, how good practices have come through about how teams work together and automation can occur and, and actually just improvements with the systems that we're using, like container management systems, cloud-based, uh, cloud engineering and, and cloud architecture. And and it, it's only these things that have actually made it possible to do it easier in a much more systematic way. Whereas before, I suppose you had the real heroes who were who were sort of automating their job to make their lives easier, um, but with disparate systems and really having to fight to, to, to get these things in. And on that note... <laughs> Yep. Goodbye, everybody. Lovely. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Goodbye.